Hey everybody, this is the replay of Monday's show. We did all about customer service and the keys to giving great customer service. Mike Anino was my co-host for this episode. Uh, if you want the show notes for this episode, head over to smartpizzamarketing.com. But if you want to see the scheduled shows for all the live shows we're going to be doing, I think we have four or five more shows for this season uh, for our live shows Monday at 8, 8 p.m. You can find those at smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash SPM live one word uh, there you'll find the shows with topics and the guests who are going to be with me on those shows um, we're going to mix it up a little bit I'm going to do four or five or six shows uh, at a time take a few weeks off and then we're going to do another four or five six shows with with topics and if you just you uh, bookmark that link smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash SPM live that's going to be the place to find all the links and the topics for all the Monday shows all laid out ahead of time. Uh, no more of this, hey, what's the topic this week? It's going to be all laid out there for the next six weeks. You can see which shows you want to watch. And then if you want to hear the replay later, I'll be throwing those up on iTunes on Fridays. Uh, but Monday nights is really the place to be if you're going to come watch your shows. You can interact with us, ask us questions, uh, be involved. Some of these shows that I have coming up are going to have guests on uh, and pretty well-known guests that you're going to know and want to come and say hi and talk to Um if you listen to the podcast that just came out a few days ago with Steve Green from PMQ Magazine, great story, by the way, about the the starting of PMQ Magazine, not what's going on now, but like what went into him starting the magazine and the reasons why, I thought that was a really interesting episode. And actually, the people who he worked with in the past was interesting to me as well. Um, he might be coming on in the next season, so uh, might be if you have a pizza shop and you want to talk to Steve, say hello. Um, Monday night's going to be the place to do that. Uh, okay. So this show is all about customer service. Oh yeah. Before we get into this show, uh, if you haven't yet join our free Facebook group, tech savvy restaurants. If you go to your Facebook page and then just go to groups, type in tech savvy restaurants, our group will pop up. Uh, you can subscribe to the group. Uh, it's a closed uh, group. So it's, there's no selling inside of that group. Um, it's just a place to get ideas of what's working in technology nowadays, kind of like an interactive version of this podcast. I'm going to, we're going to be going, uh, it's very interactive with the people who are in there. They ask questions. Other people can chime in with solutions to those problems or technology things that they're using in their business that's working. So go join that group. It's free. You'll have to ask to join. And then one of us will approve you, uh, from there. All right. So Mike's with me on this episode. This is the replay of Monday's live show, uh, all about keys to great customer service. So, all right. So the next thing I have to talk about is I have a great podcast for you to listen to. Um, if you're into, into podcasting and customer service, Lee Cockrell, who was the uh, former executive vice president of the Walt Disney World uh, company in Florida. I've heard of them. Yeah. Great podcast. Uh, pretty short too, not tremendously long podcast, you know, 20 anywhere from 15 to 20 to 30 minutes long um, about how the Disney built their customer. Like D Disney is known for having great customer service when it comes to training and onboarding their, their staff. And he just gives a tremendous amount of insight as to how they do that. Um, and I think that the, anyone listening or watching this show in the future can learn a lot from how Disney builds. Cause they have tons and tons and tons of employees. So they have to have great systems and great customer service. And anybody who goes to the parks or the resorts knows that, you know, 99% of the time you go there, you're going to get pretty good customer service. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think his podcast the, uh, is called. The latest episode um, 
the latest episode had uh, Bob Burke, who I who I love and who is in the same like speaking circle. I mean, he's not he's not my friend, so I'm not saying like he's my buddy because he's pretty right. big deal. But he's the author of the book Go Giver, which is a pretty famous oh, yeah. famous book. The last episode uh, had him on it, and they talked about how culture is not um, wasn't just part of the game; that the culture was the actual game in creating a good customer service thing. So that uh, that episode had my heart with uh, with the culture talk, of course. That's all you. Yeah, I love that one. It- and it is a big part of it. It's like the onboarding process and the the setting the expectations up front is a great uh, way to uh, build those great employee bases. And you know the onboarding process, how, what what questions we did a whole bunch of episodes about that in the uh, in the past. We'll link to those in the show notes for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but today's main topic, and I don't want to be here too long. I want to be like you know make these episodes really concise to the point, 30, 40 minutes, and be done. So today's podcast episode is about customer service, how to give great customer service and how to give bad customer service and how not to give bad customer service. <laughs> I'm not going to teach you that. I promise. No, that. We're going we're to kind of point out, maybe point out some flaws, but not going to teach you how to give bad customer service. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it goes back to exactly that episode <clears throat> of, the, of the Disney magic. I think that's what the show is called or Disney leadership magic is maybe yeah. what the show is called. Um, which is that it's about creating a culture. It's not about the specific rules or the steps of service or any of that. And I think that's where so many operators spend a lot of time is they think if we get all the mechanics right, if we tell you exactly what to do all the time, then then we'll have great service. And that's just not the reality. The reality is that you need to create a culture of great service. You need to create an environment where great service just naturally happens and then feed it and take care of it. It's kind of like thinking of service as a bit of like a garden. You've got to put the right soil in, you've got to plant the right seeds, and then you've got to take care of them so that they give you good yield. And I think that's really the idea here. So, so you know, some of the notes I wrote are less about here's exactly the systems you need for great service, because that's going to depend on your location and what your customers want. Right. But I do think creating a culture of great service is exactly what everyone should be striving for. And actually, Lee says that in the podcast. I listened to an episode earlier today. Mm. Um, I'm not sure which one it was, but he, he gave... Uh, he says he give out like business cards and kind of lay out what the expectation is for customer service. Like what does a good customer service look like? And what should you say and give di- different scenarios of what happens? Like, how do you answer the phone? How do you greet a customer? How do you deal with a, an issue in the dining room in front of other guests? You know, he's like, the more that you lay out and set those expectations up front, the better equipped your staff will be to handle them when they happen. For sure, for sure. And then it's it's keeping it. And actually, that was the first, uh, I just wrote a chapter for um, for somebody's book. He's doing a book on marketing and getting seats and butts for bars. And so he said, hey, I want you to write a chapter if you're interested on service, because I think if I sell these people a product that helps them get butts and seats, but they don't give great service, then they're going to waste their money. And I said, that's exactly it, actually. That's 100% <laughs> true, which is why yeah. we're here today talking about service. And uh, because it is a form of marketing. In fact, it's the best form of marketing. If you're nailing it over and over, you probably aren't going to have to spend a whole lot of money getting new customers. You're going to be able to spend your marketing money on keeping your current customers happy and inviting new folks in. So the very first step in this model that I wrote for this book is creating a really clear vision of what great service looks like for your brand. Because so often we'll start with these business cards, like you mentioned, or something, and we'll say, give really great service. What does that mean? Great service to me might mean something different than it is to you. 
and uh, quality. Quality means something different to you than it does to me. And we've had this talk. I think you and I have uh, talked about these these faux trips we were going to go on and where would you go and where would right. I go? And yours was to Disney with the family and mine was to like some amazing city with wine and food. So if we're not clear about what a great experience is, then the team isn't going to understand how to apply the rules later. So the number one step is to really like paint a picture of it. And, and what I advise when I've worked with with clients on customer service de design is to really explain it, like literally pretend like Bruce is a dad. Bruce and his kids come in twice a week. When they come in, they have the greatest time because blah, 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 and blah, 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 and really describe their experience. So that way your team knows, oh, that's what I'm trying to recreate. Right. You, you know, people spend so much time and energy trying to get new customers too, and money. You know, it's much easier to keep the customers you already have with good customer service than it is to go out there and find new ones. I think that that's a problem that uh, most businesses have. You, you, you spend 90% of your time marketing to get new customers when you should be spending 90% of the time marketing on the customers you already have. Yeah, exactly. And, and it goes and to the, yeah. if you're spending time getting people in and then they come in and they have a bad experience because you haven't spent the work to do this, then right. it's like, who cares that they came in once? That's like, you're not going to make anything. Right. And I, you don't know how many times I'll call, you know, a pizza shop or a restaurant and they answer the phone, the name of the restaurant. <laughs> it's like, really? Like that's your first, my first impression of your place is that it should be a much better greeting than that. You know, if, if I go to a place and they give great customer service and there's an error or a mistake, I'm much more likely to go back to that place than if they weren't very friendly or inviting and then they made a mistake on top of that and isn't isn't that just you could pull that example from your life uh when you think about your friends right when your friends like uh you know have a do something wrong at work or have a bad day or something you listen to their story and you think like wow i can't believe that happened to you some other stranger you listen to the story and you think like well you deserve like you must have done <laughs> something it's like it's there's this thing called the uh, fundamental attribution error where things happen to us because you know we were it was you know un, un unlucky circumstances or something like that. And it happens to other people because they deserved it. Right. And the same thing happens with great service. If great service happens, if bad service happens somewhere we love, we think, ooh, must have been an off night. No big deal. But if it happens somewhere we've only been to once, we think that place really sucks. They never get it right. <laughs> right. So no, you're absolutely right about that. And then, so that really goes to show that like that first impression means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And not a lot of people train their staff to say, you know, Know, that person is the most important impression because like you said if you a place you love to go to has an off night it's an off night mm. so because you've built that trust that track record of good service good quality over time um, through great customer service that's given you the ability to make that one mistake yeah and again I go back to the very first step all of all the folks who are who are gonna who are watching this and gonna watch us when you start to think about like, what do I do with my service? The very first thing, more than anything, more than even figuring out the steps of service or any of that, create really clear stories about what it looks like to be a customer there. When something goes wrong, how do you guys handle it? When somebody calls online, how do you handle it? When kids come in, how do you handle it? And write these very specific stories. And I actually learned this from Pixar and Disney. One of the things I do with clients is I'll actually go through and say, let's storyboard exactly all the stages your customer goes through. So they're in your parking lot. What happens in your parking lot? 
How are the plants? Are the plants clean? What does it look like? As they walk up to the front door, what's going on there? What's in their mind? What are they thinking? And how are you dealing with the emotions you're bringing in at your host stand or your front counter? What's going on there? What's it look like? How's it feel? And what I often find is when we go through these activities, we're able to identify like, ooh, there's like five or six things we're doing right now that don't match up with the experience we want them to have. And then we know, okay, great, let's clean that up and we could do the work. So the first step really is creating a very clear vision of what great service means for your crew. And do you think that they should like uh, enact, reenact that in person, like give some scenarios and like so, role so play yeah. kind of? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if the first step is to create a really clear, compelling vision so that everybody understands exactly what you say. When you say great vacation, you say, oh, it means I'm Disney with my, with my, with my wife and my kids. Kids or kid? Kids. Kids, multiple, all the kids. Yeah. I got um, three. Three kids, okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and we have a great time and it means this and it means this and we've done this and it looks like this and it looks like that. That's what we need to do. And the issue is most of us as leaders haven't done that and we don't actually know the answer to that. Um, right. So that's the first step. And before you do anything with anybody, it's getting really clear and creating a vision, writing it down. If you don't want to write it down, record it and then have somebody else write it down or say it into Google Docs and have it transcribe it, but get it written down so you could recreate it. Then the second step in this little model I made is to teach it often. And one of the places you teach it is during interviewing. You can practice those role plays during interviewing. You can practice those and tell those stories during orientation. And then during all your initial training, doing role plays like you just said. And one of the things that when I was running uh, Protein Bar and Homemade Pizza Company, when I was head of operations there, one of the things that our teams had to do every day was actually go outside with their clipboard and actually walk through the entire experience as a customer so they could see what was missing. And that's how we found dirty windows. That's how we found dead plants. That's how all of those things are cues to your customer about we don't really care that much. Right. You know, that's a great point there is that you should really come into your business like an outsider. Don't look at it. You know, you sometimes you have those blinders on when you're doing your daily operations that you don't see the, the front door glass dirty or uh, listen to that person answer the phone and just say one word, not the whole greeting or make someone um, when someone calls, make it feel like when somebody that calls or comes in, make it feel like you're excited to see them, not annoyed by seeing them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think for the most part, like once you've got that vision clear and you're teaching and talking about it often, then people, you know, what I get a lot is people say like, well, my team doesn't do it. And it's like, great. Now you have a culture issue. Let's right. talk about what might be wrong. And what's usually wrong is that we only deal with service when something goes wrong. We don't talk about it during pre-shift. We don't tell stories. One of my favorite examples of this is the Ritz Carlton. So Ritz Carlton in my third step, by the way, is so we had have a vision teach it often. And the third step is practice daily. And one of my examples there is the Ritz Carlton who every day at every single property across the world, they have the same exact service notes that they review. So they're doing it from Australia to New York city to, to Japan and Europe. They have the same notes every single day. The entire company is talking about the same service stuff every single day in their pre-shift meetings. And so when people come to me and they say like, Oh, my team isn't, you know, answering the phone nicely. Great. Now we have a culture issue. The number one issue usually with the culture stuff is that the leader is inconsistent. That we're not right. talking about it every day, that we're not doing it in pre-shifts, that we're not uh, sharing all the feedback as frequently as we can. And typically we write memos when things are going bad. So like in your case, somebody would take a piece of paper and say, uh, would write a memo, we must answer the phone this way because we love good service. 
that's not really the way performance happens though. That's kind of anti the way people work. Right. So you have to set that precedent beforehand and say, Hey, listen, this is how we answer the phone here in this company. You know, we do it every time often. And then there's gotta be a check and balance place. We have to like make sure that they're doing it the right way and then make sure that you have a system for finding out if they are or not and then following up if they're not. And if they are. In right. both cases, following up because we tend to do what what we get applauded for. Like, how old is your is your youngest child? Nine. Nine. Okay. So when your nine year old was first learning to walk, I imagine that when nine year old Abe was able to walk, there was claps, there was cheers, there was yay, all those moments, yep. right? Yep. That's encouraging. And so to think that like all of a sudden we become eighteen year olds and then that changes, that's not true. That's the same thing that drives us is understanding. Ooh, this is what you're looking for. So what I see so often is that people jump on their staff when they don't do it right. And no, yet they right. don't spend enough time telling them when they're nailing it, which is probably even more important. Right. And, then, and why is that? Is that just because they just expect them to do it that way? So it just kind of like goes unsaid? Yeah, I think it's I think it's as leaders, especially in the restaurant industry. So many of us are frontline leaders who've been promoted. So something something like seven out of seven or eight out of ten. Uh, restaurant owners started as entry-level folks. And, and that was certainly my case. I was a dishwasher at Pizza Hut and then finally a partner yeah. and chief operating officer in my brand. And unless somewhere along the way, you took the time to really think about leadership, to read books, to ask questions, to be self-aware, then you never got those little notes that say, hey, here's why you should do it. And that thing I was talking about earlier, that, that fundamental attribution error, which we can call the blame bias, says that like, Ooh, on the days where I don't give a great performance as a manager, it's because I'm tired or my staff sucks or I'm angry or my bills are piling up. But when you don't give good performance, it's because you just suck. And that's the thing. And so we don't think about that. Like, oh, I wonder what's going on. And so I just think along the way, it's, it's, we're, we're in that fight or flight mechanism. And so it's easier to notice what's wrong than to say what's right. And I know that there's probably folks out there who are listening and saying, well, I pay them to answer the phone properly. Right. My question would be like, great, how's that working for you? <laughs> right. It's just well, not because it works. No, because money only goes so far. Like money is only a certain small portion of motivation. It's a Money is always a short-term motivation. Like if someone's upset and they want a raise, and great, you give them a raise. They're only going to be happy for a short period of time until whatever that fundamental reason is of why they were unhappy comes back again. Right, right. And it's, it's like sports. You're a sports guy, right? Yeah. Okay. So imagine it's, it's a basketball and imagine you're the coach of the basketball team. Do you only tell the players um, when they've done something wrong? Like, here's how you don't shoot a three point. No, of course not. You do no, the complete opposite. Do right. You practice yeah. doing it right. So the issue is that we practice to not do it wrong versus practicing doing it right. And you celebrate the wins. You don't celebrate the losses. Right. And so what happens often is we don't celebrate the wins at all. And we just right. talk about when the wrongs suck. And so now it's hard for your team to know, well, what do you really want from me? Because I, I just know what not to do. Um, and that also teaches them to just not do it when you're there, right. which is where some people then go home and then they know like, wait a second, I'm getting all these complaints when I've left for the night that my staff isn't doing it. You've got a culture issue, not a service issue. They, they're performing one way when you're around and then one way when you're not. Right. It's inconsistent. Right. Yep. Um, Another thing that I noticed that a lot of people do, especially since I'm in the marketing social media world is I see places, businesses, it could be any type of business. You know, this is a show uh, 
that we talk about the restaurant industry a lot, but the fundamentals that we talk about can be used in any business. Um, and I see a lot of people pushing out content on social media and then their customers responding good or bad. And then they don't respond back. <laughs> why, why should we, we're going to ignore them. I know it annoys. It so annoys me so bad when I see, um, cause whether it be on Yelp or on Facebook or on Twitter, like someone reaches out, like you're putting out content, you're on those platforms for a reason. You're putting out content. Obviously you want the people on the other end to be aware of what you're doing and see it. Mm. And then they respond, whether that be good or bad. And then you don't say anything. Right. Like right. don't even acknowledge that they said something. And I see that happen so much. And I don't know why uh, people are doing that. Like, I don't even know why they're even bothering putting stuff out. If you're just going to kind of ignore it. Is it laziness? Is it, they don't know what to say. I'm, I'm confused as to why people do that. I mean, I would say it's, it's two things. One, it's not having an actual system down. Right. Um, and saying, here's, here's the way to get it all done. Here's how you make that consistent Two and two, they have it, which means also that they have it included in their normal flow of work. So as restaurant people, we love checklists, right? We love like our daily checklist, our open checklist, our closed checklist. So there should definitely be a management checklist. And in the video series I just shot for Tipsy, uh, which does videos for hospitality industry, I did a whole 20 videos on how to be a first-time manager. One of the things in that, in those videos that I talked about was you've got to build the things you need to do into your regular flow. So like if you don't put social media time on your calendar, then you're not going to do it. Right. And then you remember, you, you see, you know, you see Bruce talking somewhere and he says like, oh, you should be doing social. So you're like, oh yeah, I've got to do it. And you jump on and you tweet something out and then you disappear again because it's not part of your system. And I don't think you should be, and I'm not saying you should have to uh, respond immediately. Like the, obviously the, the faster, the better, but um, you know, I'm talking about, I see, uh, you know, customer inquiries or uh, comments that are like two, three, four weeks old. Like that's a yeah. lot, that's enough. Like we should be, you know, you should check it once a day, once every other day at a minimum yeah. and just comment, even if it's just like a thumbs up or like, you'll see often people comment on my social and it's like, I don't give a huge response back. Cause sometimes it's just, it's just giving them the acknowledgement that I saw it and I read it, you know, and mm -hmm. just give them a thumbs up or a smiley face, or it doesn't have to be this huge amount of text that yeah. takes forever for you to do. Yeah. It's like, someone, it's like someone walking into your restaurant and you're at the, the front door and they're like, Hey, that was like the best dinner of my life. And you stare them in the face and don't say anything. Walk away. <laughs> it would be so awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's the same too when we're talking about this, like uh, this idea of creating a, a culture of great service. I mean, that's the last step is reviewing it. And so that's looking at your social media accounts. It's looking and saying, what are people saying? What can I learn? Are there trends or those kinds of things going on? And so if you're not looking at those things, you're not taking part in the conversation, the conversation is happening, whether you want to be there or not. Right. So you might as well have some say in it. Yeah. And I, and I think far too often people try to respond to the negative comments and like defend themselves instead of just saying, Hey, you know what? I'm sorry. It happened. You know, or the, to move it offline right away. Exactly. Like I was going to say, like the, the public forum is not a place for you to defend yourself. It should just be like, Hey, I'm sorry. What's your email. I'm going to send you a quick email. And we can kind of, or a phone call and talk about what happened and I want to solve the problem. That's going to go much further for you in your presence online than any other thing. And I think outside of there being some like crazy thing that might've happened, I actually think handling it all publicly is great. 
Right. What a great what a great turnaround if that's the case. I mean, obviously, unless there's something involving an employee, something you know that you need to take offline. But every single, not every single, that's a high, that's too much. A lot of brands that I see, the first thing they do is you write in a, a message and you say, "Hey, my lunch was screwed up," and they say, "Great, email us here and we'll t- and we'll talk to you." Right. Oh, I I wrote you here. That's like saying somebody calls you at your restaurant and says, "Hey, I want to talk to you. I got the wrong burrito at lunch," and you say, "Okay, no problem. Send us a mail us a letter and we'll talk." No, right. I called you. That's how I want to be treated as a customer. So, I, and I think that this is getting more and more outrageous because this is how people deal. They don't deal with "I want to call you," "I want to email you." I'm, no, I'm reaching want. out to you on my cell phone the way that I want to. Right. And I think it's our job as service providers to be ready to handle it that way. And so this immediate thing of like, I'm going to take it offline and deal with you, deal with it online and, and, and save the day and become a hero in front of everybody. Yeah. Cause people will see that too. They'll see how you responded to that. I, I was talking more about if it's um, going in a, in a bad direction. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, of course. Of course. Or if um, it involves a specific employee that they want right. to name, well, get it offline then. Like you can tell if someone's going to be receptive to any, usually if you're in the hospitality industry, you know, the first email or call or whatever it is from a customer is really bad. And then if you can just say, Hey, sorry about that. You know, we made a mistake. Generally when they respond to that, it's usually like, Oh, you know what? Sorry. I was just having a bad day. You know, I appreciate your response. You know, sorry. It wasn't as bad as I made it sound. I was just angry at the time. Usually their first initial reaction is really vicious. And then if you just right. say sorry, then when they come back again, it's usually not as bad as it, they initially thought it was. Right. Well, it's like, you know, the people pop in and all they want to do is, is I'm angry and mad and I want to tell the world. And then as soon as you answer with like a human response, it's like, oh crap, there's people there. Let me soften my approach. We used to do that all the time. My grandma and I, I worked with my grandma uh, at Pizza Hut when I was in high school. She was the manager and I, I did the dishes. I got her the job. I worked there for the <laughs> And then I eventually became a server and a trainer and on and on. But um, people would call and they would yell at her on the phone, like, you screwed up my pizza. I went at the manager and she was the general manager and she would say, okay, no problem. Hold a moment. And then she would just give it to me. And then they were like, Oh, <laughs> thank you so much for taking a moment to listen to me. But they were like screaming and cussing her out. But as soon as they got to me, it was like, Oh, thank Someone's listening. So, okay. I'll soften my approach. Right. Sometimes the first person they talk to is not the person they want to end talking to. Right. I think yeah. you said a good point that you said a human response. And I know many times um, you see someone leave a comment or a, you know, something and they're like, Hey, this is, you know, I had a bad experience. Like, sorry, so sorry about that. The blank blank team. Like, don't do that. Like say your name. Like if your name's Bob and you responded, say, Hey, sorry. So sorry. This is Bob. You know, I'm the so-and-so here. You know, I want to make it right. This is what I'm going to do for you. Like make it personal and make it from one person, not from like your business. Yeah. Yeah. We see that that protein bar. We would, uh, in the, in the profile at the time, it was me and my partner and then our director of marketing, Annalisa. So it said like Mike, Matt, and Annalisa tweeting. And then at the end, we would put like our initials of like who was talking yeah. to that person. I think and that's a great way. To, yeah, I think that's a great way to get people to interact. And then the, the more that they see the same person doing it over and over again, they're going to get to know them. They're going to, you know, pretty soon if you do that consistently, they're going to be like, hey, is Bob there? Right. I, have, I want to talk to him about something. Right. And then yep. just get used to saying that one person. So that's a great way to build a human, a human, humanness to your business. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, the other thing on service, you know, we talked about creating a vision, teaching it often, practicing it every day, rewarding it with your team. Um, 
is also then reviewing it, like I was saying, and, and really figuring out how are you going to measure it over time? Because we often measure it just by sales, which is, which is a measurement of it, but there's other things to measure. And so getting clear on like what you're going to measure and how you're going to do that over time, because the other thing that happens, especially in, in this industry or the retail industry and uh, really anywhere with a high customer support is that we live on this roller coaster of today was a bad day. So everything sucks and we need to fix, fix everything. And then tomorrow, nobody said anything. So we're fine again. And right. so neither of those is probably true. Neither side of that is probably true. And so the issue becomes if we don't get good at reviewing it and putting some like science behind the way we're going to measure and track service, then we live on this roller coaster, which is uh, frankly unhealthy as an, as an owner. And it also drives you to do really harmful things to your brands because you overcorrect, you, you overreact with your team. And so the final step in my little process is to figure out ways you're going to review it and then setting some kind of consistent way to do that over time. So you don't end up on that roller coaster. So is that like a weekly or a daily thing? I, I think daily is probably too like in the moment, I think, yeah. you know, um, but I would say some kind of weekly number, you know, a lot of people use secret shopper programs. A lot of people use customer feedback. I think if you're using, um, I think there's an interesting play out there for people using their mobile app to create something like, um, Uber or, or Lyft or Postmates does where at the end you get to score it right away. Yeah. You get to say it was a five. I think there's something really interesting that needs to happen in the, in the mobile app world for restaurants where it isn't some long survey you have to complete, but it's simply like a one through five rating after you visited or paid. I think there's something there that can give people data. So I think try to figure out what are some ways you could actually measure service and then, you know, look at that. We measured at protein bar, we measured, um, customer feedback via emails on a monthly basis. We looked at um, the app data where people would be able to send in reviews from the mobile app when they would pay. And then we also looked at um, service times because what we knew is that in the fast casual world, if it was long, then people were unhappy. That was the strongest correlation right. we had to bad service. Uh, and so we would look at our, um, our make times, you know, from the time a ticket hit the kitchen to the time it was like bumped off the screen. And so we would look at those daily and weekly and measure those over time. And so, you know, it gave us a chance to kind of look at that without that roller coaster of today was a bad day because we got 10 tweets. Right. Which might be true, uh, but. Here's a, here's a uh, for the pizza industry world, and this is what I tell people to do. How about just sending an email that says, hey, this is John. I own the place. How was your order yesterday? Yeah. It could just be as simple as that. Reply with your answer. It does two things. It gets them to open your email, and it gets you to have that personal interaction with your, your customers, you know, and it, especially with this online ordering thing is not going to be getting smaller, it's just going to be growing more. So yeah. if you're at, you know, 20% of online orders a year from now, you're going to be at 40%. If you're at 40% now, a year from now, you're going to be at 60% because of what Mike said, people use their phone as their way of communication. They don't want to like, like, if you call me, you're going to, I'm going to be pissed off. Like, I don't want you to call me, text me or email me. Like, I don't want that uh, interruption of my day without my permission. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a text yeah. is something that I can read when I want or an email. So if someone calls for you and they order online from you, send them an email the very next day or write a couple hours later and say, hey, this is whoever. How was it? I mm -hmm. guarantee you that's going to build a great rapport with your with your customers. And, th and then they'll get used to being able to just communicate whether it was good or bad. And that'll be your feedback rather than you having to like spy on your staff all day. <laughs> it's kind of the, it's the it's the virtual version of a table touch. 
And that's one yeah. of the things like in this chapter that I wrote for this book, I was talking about reviewing service and using table touches. Most people do table touches by walking in and saying, walking up and saying, uh, was everything okay? And it's like, do you want it to just be okay? Like, is that what you're aiming for is just okay? Versus asking specific questions. Yeah. I saw that you ordered our new special pizza. What did you think of it? Did you like, did you love those flavors? What did you like? Um, I saw that you got one of our, you know, wines or something like that being specific. And then it's like, oh, wait, you're asking a specific question. The issue is that when I, when I've trained managers before on table touches, they're like, mm, no one really ever says anything. And I say, oh, what are you asking? And what they usually ask is, how's everything tasting? Right. Versus a specific question of like, ooh, I saw you ordered our new uh, bacon burger. What did you think of that? Do you, you know, should we keep it on the menu? Was it delicious? Was it your favorite? Like that's good stuff. So figure out how to do that virtually and it's a win. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same thing like when you're training a new new hire, like the first day, like, okay, you train them. They were there for three or four hours. And then the staff's over. You go up to them and be like, so what do you think? Yeah. Worse. And like, <laughs> yeah. And so. Like, go ahead. Uh, and, and, and a lot of people just are like, I don't know what to say. Here's what you say, by the way, I'm giving it to you right now. This is what you say. You ask two questions. What did you like best about your performance and working today? And what do you want to do tomorrow to be even more effective? And then you give them the same feedback. Here's what I like best about what you did and how you performed. Here's what I think can make you even more effective tomorrow. Right. Every single day. Right. Because the generic questions, like whether it's being sales or customer service or training, they just don't. They don't get the response that you, they get the response you're looking for, which is like a non really determining response. You know, it's just a basic response of what do you think? Eh, it was okay. I like it. Okay, yeah. great. Like that doesn't mean anything. Like what, how was your dinner? It was okay. Like you didn't, right. you know, they got five different things and nobody had anything special to say about what they got. Right. You got bigger issues then. Right. And in this whole idea of creating a culture of great service, where you're not just trying to get great service done once or twice, but you're creating an environment where great service happens all the time. I think with your team, you even need to do that with feedback. If you're going to go to them and say like, hey, great job at table number eight, that's not good enough because I don't know what you want me to repeat. Versus saying, hey, great job at number eight. Bruce is a regular. He comes in all the time with his wife and his kids. Uh, thanks for really taking care of them. Um, thanks for pointing out to me that they tried our new special so I could go talk to them. And I love that you kept the kids occupied with the coloring. That's exactly what we want. Now Perfect. I know what you want me to repeat. But the issue exactly. is, is, is we don't take the time to do that as managers. And then we're surprised when people don't do what we want them to do. It's because they don't know what to do. So the whole thing about this podcast episode is about being specific, like really get specific about what you want the outcome to be, what you want your staff to say and act like, and then what your expectations are for uh, your staff to handle your customers. Yeah. And then how you're going to track the success of that over time. Right. Yeah. You're going to say, what do you think? <laughs> oh gosh. What do you think? <laughs> All right. So uh, recap your three things, Mike, that you went over real quick, and then we'll end this, uh, we'll end this episode here. Yeah. So the three things were first have a really clear, compelling vision for what great service looked like in detail spelled out so that it's almost like we're watching a movie about great service. Number two is teach it often and practice it daily. Teach your team during interviewing, during onboarding, during training, and then practice it every day in your pre-shift and your post-shift. And then the last one is to review it and reward it. Reward your staff when you see it and review with frequency how you're doing on your service. Awesome. So uh, Pokemon Go is a no for me. <laughs> what about you, Mike? I, you know, I think it's fun to watch people play it, but I'm not yeah. going to spend any money in my business yet. Okay. Go check out the Lee Cockrell podcast. If you're looking for customer service uh, tips and techniques from the former executive 
uh, vice president of the Walt Disney World Company. Really great short podcast. And replay of this podcast episode will be out later in the week. Um, you can check it out next week's episode on smartpizzamarketing.com forward SPM live. And Mike, where can they find you? You can find me at uh, mikeganino.com everywhere, Mike Ganino, everything. Uh, if you can't remember any of that, you can just go to mike.tips. Um, and if you ever join that, you've got my email and you can say, hey, and tell me what you need help with. Excellent. Um, all, all the links and all that stuff will be in the show notes for this episode uh, coming out later in the week. All right. Thank you so much, Mike. See you later. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. If you have not yet, if you could give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, that would be great. Would really appreciate that. Helps us out a ton more than you know. Also, don't forget to join our free Facebook group and to go to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash SPM live uh, for the upcoming episodes of SPM live on Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern time. All the notes, the links to the shows, everything will be over there. And that is it for this episode, guys. Have a great weekend. See you next week.